Well, it's good to be back with you. As, uh, as I said several times before, <coughs> let me make an announcement uh, that nobody knows. Well, there's a few people that know. None of the guys in the room know. Uh, they know the uh, potential, but they don't know the, the absolute. The deacons and I met last night and finalized sort of our, uh, our guidelines and regulations for reopening our corporate worship services. And so you'll be the very first group that hears this officially, June the 7th, not this Sunday, but next Sunday, we'll be meeting right back here in this room. Uh, next week early, we'll be releasing a video that'll kind of give you some guidelines and walk you through some of the specifics of how we're going to do that. But you can start spreading the word right now, uh, Sunday morning, June the 7th. So not this coming Sunday, but the very next Sunday We'll be worshiping together here in the sanctuary, and I cannot tell you how excited I am about that June the 7th. So tell everybody, uh, we'll be back together here, worshiping uh, together here at, uh, at 3986 Humbert Road. We'll continue to stream. We'll continue to be online. There will be some restrictions, uh, but, uh, but most, uh, most important, we'll be back together here, and we'll be talking more about that early next week. And we'll put that on social media, but we're also, uh, we'll also put together a video that'll kind of walk you through all of the different procedures that we'll be using. Well, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm, uh, I've had enough pandemic. How about you? I have uh, had more than enough for my share. Uh, I think all of you know I was sick for a number of weeks. Uh, Leanne was sick. Uh, let me just give you a report on that. Obviously, we're doing much better. She's back to normal, basically. Uh, Jack had a few symptoms. The health department sort of declared him as having had the virus. Uh, and we've all been released from quarantine now. So we give thanks to the Lord for that. And uh, in the process of that, um, you know, learned a lot of things and uh, experienced a lot of things. And I want to read to you this morning from Revelation chapter 21. Um, this is not new. This is, uh, this is not something that I developed just for this. I reached way back many, many years and pulled some scripture together, and pulled some thoughts together that I have used before. But I don't know about you, but I am more desirous now than ever before of the coming of the Lord. Uh, this would just be a great day for the Lord to return. Can you say amen to that? Uh, listen, I've got some more work to be done. I've got some things that I want to experience. That's true. But if the Lord, in His sovereign will, were to determine that today would be the day for the rapture of the church, I want you to know that I am ready. How about you? And it's the thought of some of the realities of that. Let's, let's pretend just for a moment that today was the day that the Lord returned. Then what would tomorrow be like? What would it be like? Revelation chapter 21 gives us some, uh, some indication of that. John writes, beginning in verse number 1 of Revelation 21, verses 1 through 6. He says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. 
Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. <coughs> to him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. What a day. What a moment. What a change in reality. I, I love the idea that there is coming a moment when all of the old order of things will be gone and everything will be made new. We've talked a lot through the Restored series of what we've been restored to, but this section of Scripture in Revelation chapter 21 speaks of the day when finally everything, everything is now returned to the order that the Father had intended to be in place in the Garden of Eden. We are now, in Revelation 21, back to where God's heart and his desire for mankind is fully displayed, and we are now living in the fullness, in the fullness, can you say that word? In the fullness of God's plan for mankind. The, the Greek word new there, when he says, behold, I'm making all things new, doesn't just speak to time. In fact, it's, it's really not... It's not speaking to new in time. He, he's talking about new in character. In other words, this isn't just a remaking of things. This is a restoration of things. He's removed the old order and he has put in place, actually, that's actually a little backwards. He's put in place the old order that were lost, was lost. It is now new to us. But all of the things that came because of mankind's sin <coughs> have now been removed. God's going to renovate. He's going to completely remove all of the stain of sin, all of the, all of the way things happened in our life. And he has restored this world completely in Revelation 21 to what he intended for it to be forever, but that sin destroyed. What a, what a thing, what an idea for us, it's still just a concept, but because of the Word of God, we believe in it. Now, that could be, oh, hallelujah, that could be our reality tomorrow. Wouldn't that be something? If today the rapture of the church occurred, then these things will be our existence tomorrow. And there's some things here that I just want to take just a few moments this morning and point out to you that will be no longer. Things that will be no more. That's what I entitled this. Things that will be no more. Things that you're not going to have to deal with. Things that I'm not going to have to endure anymore and neither will you. And they're outlined here. They're enumerated in Revelation 21. First of all, six things. First of all, John says that there will be no more sea. The, the ocean, the sea. Now, whether that is metaphorical or in reality, uh, there is a there's a... A thing that is represented in the scriptures when you see the word sea. We think of the beauty of it, the waves, the sea life. The but, but when the word sea is used in the scriptures, it's rarely used that way. Sea in John's day represented danger and storms and separation. Uh, John himself, as he's writing this, is exiled on an island and his prison is formed by the danger of the sea. So there's a metaphorical understanding of what the sea is. 
Perhaps John is giving us more than a geography lesson, talking about the fact that, uh, that there's going to be dry ground. We know that there's a crystal sea. We do know that there are bodies of water. And, and I don't think that John is talking about the fact that there'll be dry land everywhere. I, I, fact, I think rather the fact that when John says there is no more sea, it is this exile. It is this separation. There'll be no separation any longer between us and the love and the goodness and the presence of the Father and those that we love. Two-thirds of the globe today is water so that in the new creation, God will have devised a whole new system. We don't know exactly what it is. We know that it would be wonderful and good. But in John's reality, that separation, that, that imprisonment, that's over. There'll be no more of that. John goes on to say at the inspiration of the Lord that there'll be no tears. <coughs> Excuse me. There'll be no tears <coughs> and there'll be no more crying. My goodness. Think of all the things that cause us to cry. Not happy tears. Think of the loss that we endure. Think of the separation. Think of how death Bring such sorrow to our life. Think of all of the different relational things that <clears throat> take place in our world that bring such sorrow. Divorce, financial ruin. <clears throat> We've just experienced a, in our home an extended period of sickness. I don't know that we shed a lot of tears, but there was certainly great sorrow over all of that. Think of the trial that ensued because of that. And in your life, this whole period of time, perhaps some of you, and I've, I've read different accounts of some of you just weeping over the change of life and the loss of freedoms and, and, and just the connections with people that your eyes have been filled with tears, the hardship that people have endured, the loneliness that has been a part of this whole season of life. Perhaps your response to that was tears and crying. Oh, listen, there's coming a day when all of that, we can't really even imagine that, can we? But there's coming a day when all of that will be over. There'll be no more tears, no more crying. John goes on to say that when all is made new by the Lord in Revelation 21, There'll be no more death. Mm. No more death. What will it be like to live in a place and a time where death isn't even in the realm of possibility? One of the things with the sickness that Leanne and I endured because of all of the unknown, you know, on that Sunday morning when I called the ambulance for them to come get her, that there was a legitimate fear of death. We, we, we knew people that had been, you know, that had worsened even more and went on ventilators. And many, and more than in my life, people that I was familiar with that had died because of this, this, this virus. And the unknown nature of it, where you didn't know. You didn't know if you are going to get better. Did, you, did we have the milder case? I mean, you just didn't know. And the fear and the uncertainty of that, that death was a possibility. It wasn't death, you know, will I go to heaven or hell? That, that was never a question. That was a foregone deal. But that death was a possibility. 
Can you imagine? And I know you can because it's in the word. Never again wondering if something could kill you. Never giving thought at all of fearing the separation that would ensue because of the death of a loved one. Never fearing the decay or the aging of your body or the loss of your capability. Never never having that as a possibility. That's part of the new that's coming in Revelation 21. That won't even be a part of our lives anymore. It'll only be life. There'll be no death. It's gone. Mm, my goodness, what a, what, a, what a day. The hymn writer had it right, didn't he? What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. That's coming. There'll be no more death. John goes on to say there'll be no mourning. Well, if there's no death, there's no reason to mourn. Never again the sadness that accompanies loss. Never, not just the mourning over the loss of life, but you never lose a job again. You're never going to lose a friend. You're never going to have to move. <laughs> Hallelujah. Never going to pack any more moving boxes. Never going to get dumped by a girl or a boy again. Never going to have your heart broken again. Never going to get rejected. Always going to get picked first for the team. <laughs> I, put, I put in my notes, you'll always be cute and popular and everybody's best friend. You won't feel loss any longer. Mourning over the loss of anything will be gone. It's not a part of that realm. Things have made new. Things have been made new. All of that is a part of this fallen world. It's, it's normal for us. It's the expected. You know, you get your, you see some young, young girl whose heart's been broken. We say, oh, it'll be okay. They'll, there are other fish in the, things are going to get, that's not the reality there. Those things that are normal here are gone there. All things have been made new. John writes on at the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there'll be no more pain. No more pain. No ache of any kind. You're never going to get a headache again. You're never going to have a, a joint that hurts. You're never going to feel any sensation of physical pain. No heartache. No physical ache. No arthritis. No cancer. No heart problems. No tumors. No bad backs. No sore muscles. No aching joints. No migraines. No physical maladies of any kind. No fibromyalgia. No arthritis. No, no progressive disease, no, no prescriptions, no high blood pressure, no high cholesterol, no doctor's appointments, no, no physical deficit of any kind, no pain. You, you, you can't even imagine that. Pain is such a constant part of our life, but all that is gone. Things have been returned to the way God made them, and that's coming, church. Oh, hallelujah. That is coming. Mm. No death, no mourning, no pain. Can you imagine it? Hold on, it's coming. 
It's coming. It's worth, it's worth the trial. Hold on. How is all that possible? What makes all of that real? Well, the thing that makes all of that is not the removal of things. You ready for this? It's not the removal of things. It's the addition of just one thing. It's not the removal. God's not going to kick things out. You get out, you get out, you get out. It's not some little imp of pain, some little demonic thing that brings pain. It's not some little, some little, you know, some little, uh, you know, misshapen physical being that causes arthritis. That's, God's not going to kick that little demon out of heaven and then arthritis leaves. That's not the thing. That's not what causes all of this. That's, that's not what makes this world that way. It, it is not the subtraction of things. It's going to be the addition of just a single thing. And you know what it is. We have the earnest of it now, according to Ephesians 1. You see, now we have the earnest of our inheritance. We have just a little sliver of the presence of God. But in that moment... God's going to endue the realm that we live in with the fullness of his presence once again. And in his presence, there are joys forevermore. At his right hand, pleasures forevermore. What does that mean? You cannot be in the presence of God and be sick. You cannot mourn in his presence. You cannot feel pain. Why? Because all things are made new. All things are restored in his presence. The thing that makes Revelation 21, Revelation 21, is the presence of your father. You get to live with him. You get to live in him. You get to abide in his presence, in the fullness of his presence. No more through a glass darkly. No more Corinthians seeing him through a glass darkly. You're going to see him face to face. You're going to be completely immersed in his presence. John goes on to say, Behold, the dwelling of God is with man. God and us once again reunited as we were intended to be. Every moment you'll get to be with the Father. Every fiber of your being will be content. You were created to be where he is. No temptation, no lies, no half-truths, all justice, no pretense, no ritual, no tradition, no wondering, no strife, no jealousy, no gossip, no hurtful words, no misperceptions, no twisting of words in the translation. Everybody Everybody will believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Come on and live in the reality of them going to be where he is and all of the man-made all of the junk of this world all of the defilement of the minds of men and women all of the perversion all of the loss all of the hurt all of the all of the things that come because of this flesh all of the works of the flesh are going to be gone and the works of the spirit are going to abound and in that place You and I are going to bloom. You're going to flourish. You're going to live in the existence of God. What will we do? I don't know. Celebrate the Lord. Work in the work he's given us to do. Mm. 
Now, one last thought this morning. That's something to, that's something to have, isn't it? That picture in Revelation 21 is something to have. Isn't it worth the difficulty that we endure here? Scripture says that it is, that the testing of our faith works for us something far more precious than gold. It, it establishes our faith. The trials, the pain, the mourning, the tears, all of that is intended to grow us in our faith so that when Revelation 21 occurs, we're his people. But you need to know that you can miss that. Many will. That picture in Revelation 21 is not everybody. You can miss it. Jesus talks about in Matthew, the 16th chapter. I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 2 in a moment, but Matthew 16, 6 says this. Jesus said, be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's interesting to me that Jesus used, them, used yeast, tiny one of the tiniest living organisms. Those of you that bake, you know, you, you take just a little bit of yeast, put it in warm water, it begins to, it begins to germinate. And before long, the, because of the fermentation process and the yeast, actually a living organism yeast is, because of its multiplication and the gases that are given off and the bubbles, it causes the bread to rise. That's what takes place. But just a single, if you had time, it would only take a single little piece of that to leaven a whole barrel of flour if you had time. The reason we use more is because we don't want to take the time to do that. But that single, a single particle of that yeast will leaven a whole barrel of flour if you give it time. You create the right conditions. You see, the reason that Jesus said beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees is that there are philosophies in our world that are like that yeast. And if you let them get a hold of you, they will grow. And they will leaven the whole barrel of flour. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Listen, let me back up to that one. 2 Corinthians 2 verses 9, 10, 11. Paul writes this. The reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there is anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order, listen, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. You see, the devil wants to plant a little, oh, Jesus is not going to come again. doesn't matter how I live. doesn't matter what I am. doesn't matter what I do. See, that's the yeast. Matthew chapter 16, verse 12, a little bit later in that same chapter, Jesus, having finished this, it says, Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus is coming again. Let me say it again. Jesus is coming again. This world and its philosophies are passing away. That Revelation 21 promise... That's for the overcoming men and women of God who have made their faith secure, who have held on to the teachings of the Word of God and in the face of difficulty and crying and mourning that does at times endure for a night in this world that does bring 
all, I mean, plenty of opportunities to have our faith tested. Don't forget whom you have believed in. Don't let pandemic create such fear that you forget that Revelation 21 is coming. That you fail to rejoice in the goodness and in the promise and in the strength of the Lord in the midst of difficulty he is there don't lose your faith hold on don't believe the reports that are coming from the world you trust in the promise of God's word and believe that revelation 21 is going to come to pass a day when there will be some things that are no more Mm, isn't that good He's coming again. You'll make it. You hold on. If I can do it, you can do it. Hey, it's been so good to be back with you this morning. Hope you've been encouraged by this. Don't lose faith. Believe that he's coming again because he is. Maybe it's today. Wouldn't that be awesome that today's the day? We don't know, though. We have to have faith and trust and believe and hold on until he does return or until he calls us home. Either way, what a day that will be. Amen? Hey, listen, we're going to be back with you tomorrow or tonight, 7 o'clock for a great time in 1 John chapter 4. And then we'll be back with you via this medium streaming uh, Sunday morning uh, at 10.30. And then don't forget, uh, just uh, some 10 days from now, June the 7th, We're going to meet together right here in this room, and we're going to celebrate the presence of the Lord. Won't it be good to be back together? So you spread the word. Let people know June the 7th is the date. Uh, Early next week, as I said, we'll be putting out some guidelines, letting you know how we'll we'll accomplish those things. But it's going to be good to be back together.